welcome to Behind the Edit, a podcast that peeks behind the scenes and discusses the unexpected and often very personal victories, stumbles and detours on a path to building a creative brand and business. I'm your host, Christine Mankies, creative pioneer, award-winning photographer, founder of The Pretty Blog, editor, visual storyteller, problem solver, recovering workaholic, mom and dynamic dot connector. Over the next few months, I'll be sitting down with South African multifaceted designers and entrepreneurs to uncover their unique and at times zigzag journeys to build what seems like a perfectly edited brand. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Janine Birch, founder of Coral and Hive. With a background in psychology and social work, it's clear to see that Janine truly has a passion for creating opportunities to give people a better future. From using her psychology know-how to establish relationships with renowned designers and prioritizing social good within her company, Janine's extensive experience shines through in everything she does. Her humble, natural hand-woven rug studio in Somerset West has managed to gain a global footprint with a studio in London, stockers in Switzerland, the US, and partnerships with family looms in India and Pakistan. Janine and her team have also proven that a slower, intentional design process yields incredible results. Under Janine's leadership in less than five years, Coral and Hive have achieved impressive heights, quite literally, the latest being the creation of one of the largest looms in Africa, as well as design collaborations with internationally celebrated brands like Anthropology, Harida, Studio Duggan, J. Miller Interiors, and numerous others. But above all these accolades, Janine's heart for her team, her respect for weaving, and her adoration for natural fibers is what really stands out. She continually advocates for preserving the art of weaving, giving credit where credit is due, and ultimately sees every team member as a co-founder of Coral and Hive, all truly honorable qualities in a founder. Janine, thank you so much for making time to come out all the way to sit with us. Welcome to Behind the Edits. It's wonderful to have you here. And I think one of the things that have been so inspiring to me the past few weeks is to finally put a face and a voice (laughs) to the creatives that have really inspired me. And being someone that's been in the creative space or industry for quite a while, I've come across some incredible brands and creatives behind these brands that I've been so interested in, but I've never really had the conversation with you about what is the story behind Coral and Half. Through the connection of digital, we now finally have <laughs> the time to sit down and have a very honest conversation. So Aww. welcome. And Thank you. Um, yeah, I think the conversation for us here is all about being very vulnerable and just, you know, giving people some insights in what goes into building a business. I've been in awe of the products that you guys create. I always look at the images of the weavers holding those beautiful tapestries and they always look so happy. And I'd love to know a bit more about how this brand came about. Like, tell me a bit more about your story and yeah, how you started this brand. Oh, well, thank you for having me and inviting me onto this podcast. I'm a bit more of a worker bee and I haven't really done a podcast before. So thank you for making me feel 
Welcome. I'm very excited to be here and also really inspired by your new venture. So Coral and Hive started out as a name and I never really knew where it would go. But I was living in London at the time and I just sold my recruitment company and I was a new mom, but a new mom with a very busy mind. And I was just mulling over this name, Coral and Hive, and the natural home and what would eventually become of it. I just, I love the words and I've also always been very inspired by Africa and the artisans and what they make over here. So I didn't really envisage that it would necessarily be a big company. I thought it would just be myself working from home and possibly selling artisan pieces from Africa. And my journey started with the rugs. And once I started with the rugs, I realized that there was so much involved in making these rugs. It wasn't going to be, how can I say, I think when you're only one person with only so much time, and I remember I'm a new mom. (laughs) (laughs) So you had like uh, 10 minutes a day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gathering here and gathering there and just thinking about these rugs and getting to know these rugs, getting to know who made them, what's involved, the processes, the materials, the techniques. I guess I realized that maybe the best thing for me to do was just to focus on rugs. So did you come across someone that was making rugs that you then bought from them? Or how did you start with this journey of rugs? Like you're talking about interiors and I'm gathering that you wanted to kind of put out there quite a few artisan products, but obviously your heart was set on rugs. (laughs) So were you buying from someone else? Were you involved in the creating process? How did that work? I mean, so I had the name, Coral and Hive, The Natural Home. And initially I thought I'm going to have rugs, I'm going to have baskets, I'm going to have ceramics, I'm going to, you know, style them beautifully. And when I get my 10 minutes a day, I'm going to take a (laughs) photograph and I'm going to tell the story of each product. But when I came across the rugs, it was a company in Somerset West that was making them. And I was only here for a very short holiday. So I was only able to get a few samples made and order one or two rugs for my own home. I realized also that the company that was making these rugs didn't necessarily have all the photography that I needed to start a website. So I started going on a journey of figuring out how can we style these rugs and what do we need to do to sell these rugs and how do we get, well, customers in England and in and around London interested in these fibers because this is where I live and this is who I want to sell to. So I would say the first year was a lot of research and trial and error, ordering a few pieces for my own home and again, soon realizing that if I was to bring baskets into the mix, which I actually did do, but then quickly learned that I should maybe not do that (laughs) Um, (laughs) when they took up my whole spare room. Um, (laughs) Although I do love baskets. Um, Yeah, I just... uh, what was the question again? 
<laughs> you sound like me, like I stop answering and then I venture into something else and then my husband has the tendency to just say, keep your answers short, but please don't keep your answers short, yeah, I because, because I think, I, I think this I is so beautiful. It, like, kind of, you know, we're just weaving. I think yeah. that's what we're doing here. We're just like weaving from the one conversation to the next. We're slowing down. <laughs> I mean, this is part of my problem and I don't know if this is a, a common thing with creatives or entrepreneurs but I do jump around a little bit and have a lot of interests and I think the key to a business is having those interests but also being able to focus on the key things to make it work. Yes no definitely I think it's very easy to be steered away from what you really good at and I think Mm. it brings me to the point that you mentioned like you were interested in the rugs the rugs were made in Somerset West which is actually my hometown oh wow and I would love to visit the looms by the way is that something people can do yes (laughs) I love you to come to the looms it's the most incredible experience so I know that you have these massive looms I've seen pictures and I think if I'm correct the biggest ones are five by six meters We've actually uh, recently built what we think is the biggest loom in Africa, weaving eight meters by five meters. Wow. And we did a really beautiful curly mohair blend rug for an American home on that loom. So we haven't had too many orders, but it's nice to know that it's there. Wow, that sounds incredible. But we can also split the rugs up so we can do like three or four rugs on the same loom. So if we don't have a massive rug order, then we can do smaller rugs on that loom. Wow. So tell me a bit more about the making of these beautiful tapestries. What goes into this? I think this <laughs> is so important for people. Yeah. You know, you see a beautiful picture of a natural fibered rug. Yeah. And we all go, I want that in my home. But you have no idea what goes into it. So take us through that process of creating a beautiful piece. Firstly, I think it's really important to know that all of our fibers are natural and locally sourced. And we are weaving in caracal wool, which is very unique to South Africa. The caracal sheep grazes in Namibia where it's really, really hot. And what makes the wool so special is the fact that it's coated in extra lanolin. And this is to protect Mr. Sheepy from all the elements. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that's what makes it the most incredible and very, very durable fiber for weaving. I don't know if you knew this, but South Africa supplies the world with 80% of its mohair, and mohair is known as the diamond fiber. It's incredibly luxurious and soft, but also really, really durable, and it soaks color like silk. It's really important when I meet designers to go through these beautiful fibers that are available in Africa because I think that's where our unique selling point is. And that's what I realized when I first started the business that, you know, these are the beautiful fibers that we can source in Africa and we can weave with them, we can blend them, we can spin them. And I think that's where, you know, we say in a lot of our marketing and the message that we put out there that our rugs are touched by many hands. And It says it all really because it's from shearing the sheep to washing the wool. The wool is washed several times. It's then carded and then we get it um, delivered to us once it's been carded and then we hand spin the wool. And through spinning, we're able to obviously decide which fiber contents we're doing in the rug. And this is specified through the designers or end customer once they've seen their samples. But it's hand spun and then the looms are warped up. Actually, once it's spun, it's stretched. 
And then once it's stretched, it's hung in the sun to dry and then it's stretched again and then it's ready for weaving. So depending on the design that we've specified, which is usually hand-drawn and put like a template behind the warp, we then allocate each of our weavers their basket of wool and they get to weave their masterpiece. And then once the rug is woven, we cut the rug off loom and then it goes into the finishing process, which is usually a week or two as well. So it comes off loom and then it goes into finishing and it's whipped closed or we add tassels. But you know, throughout the process, we're sharing that loom journey with the customer so that they feel completely involved and in touch with this piece that they've designed and created. That's a very special process and we feel like it's really important for people to know what goes into them because it's not a quick buy, it's a slow process and it can't be rushed. (laughs) I'm literally sitting here trying to imagine that person weaving the wool, like you mentioned. I think it's so beautiful. It's probably quite therapeutic for them to do that process. Absolutely. Um, all by hand. And I love what you said about the product is touched by so many hands. Tell me a bit more. You just mentioned now that it gets washed, it gets stretched. Do you guys also dye your own fibers? Because I know in your rugs, the color plays such a beautiful part. Yeah. Yeah. How's the color introduced in the process? I guess it's important for me to also mention here that we've got our own weaving team of anything from 16 to 22 ladies in South Africa, but we're also working with two or three family-owned looms in India and Pakistan. So we learned a lot about colour from our Indian partners. Wakas, who is my key man in India, I speak more to him sometimes than my husband, (laughs) Um, he started teaching me about colour. And initially when I started Coral and Hive, we had caracal wool available in all natural tones. And I said to our customers that you can design in the natural tones. We don't encourage you to dye the caracal because it is so beautiful just as it is in its raw state. But more and more customers were wanting color and to really work with color. And Having studied psychology, I have a real interest in colour. So alongside running the business, I'm also looking to study more about colour. So colour is a really important part of what we do. And once I started working with India, I realised that there was this amazing pom-pom system that we could work with in both India and Africa. So we invested in working with the ARS colour system in South Africa. So we've got our 1,400 pom-poms, which are heaps of fun. Um, (laughs) I feel like one of the biggest honours I've actually had in the last three years is working with some of London and America's top designers and figuring out what kind of colours they love. In South Africa, we work with a dye house And whenever we're color matching, we have our established colors that are from our original ladders, which actually came from Elsa Barnard. She's really amazing. And she's also taught us a lot about color and how she dyes. But we work between Elsa and a dye house where we do color matching with our POM system. So we can dye over 1,400 colors. Wow. That that sounds like a whole podcast by itself, (laughs) the color podcast. Well, okay. (laughs) We need to... Let's stay focused. (laughs) Yeah, let's just weave it back. (laughs) I'm a natural lover. Like, I really Mm. like natural colors, but 
the past few years, I've become more and more interested in color. So it's so interesting to hear how color also has transformed your rugs. And you mentioned that you work very closely with designers. I've heard through our conversations that you collaborate in a creative way with designers and with homeowners to create very unique pieces mm. for specific spaces. So tell me a bit more about how you go about this. Does the designer come to you, they have a brief, and then you guys need to execute on that, or they're very involved in the process? Because I can imagine that lots of creatives trying to collaborate can be quite an interesting situation. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a bit more about that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it is interesting, but it's also really exciting. And I think... Again, this is where my psychology has really come into play with designing rugs because I think a big part of the design process is listening and intuitively guiding people in a direction that you think they want to go. We obviously have our core essentials collection, which we know is made up of beautiful natural textures and all those understated, paired back, neutral tones that you'd probably absolutely love. You have to come see them. I've seen your moods (laughs) and I've seen your collections and I'm like, want that one, want that one, want that one. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really exciting that you can literally design a rug for every room and have different textures, different colors, different blends. But in terms of going back to the color and designing with these incredible creatives, I really like to just climb into their world and try and piece together what it is that they're looking for. So during the process, we go through a lot of mood cards and we look at previous things that we've made. And then we narrow down the selections to the kind of things that they're looking for. So it's a very collaborative process. And we've recently done a very exciting collaboration, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet. But we had so much fun. And what was really, really exciting about that process was sitting one-on-one with this designer and really exploring her favorite colors and looking at how we would mix them and blend them. So I think it's nice that we sort of do both, you know, we do the really colorful collaborations and then we also do the neutrals and the textures. But we've worked with a few artists and we've done watercolor paintings with Claire Oswald in America. She's an amazing artist and her art translates really well on Loom. Yeah, I'm getting lost in this question again. (laughs) (laughs) Christine. (laughs) This process of creating, Mm. I think you're obviously designing a product. Yeah. It needs to be made. And there's, as you've mentioned, lots of hands touching. But Mm. what is your role in the company? And tell me a bit more about the other people's roles, like the team that's behind Coral and Hive. So I think this is a very, very special part of our company. I mean, ultimately, I feel like I get to work with my friends. (laughs) Isn't that fun? (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because Erica and I are really close friends and she's our pattern designer. And she was one of the first people involved in getting Coral and Hive set up. And I said to her the one day, oh, imagine if we could go and sit with these designers and show them all our pretty patterns. (laughs) (laughs) Because Erica and I have always loved pattern and color and nature. And we never, ever knew that we would 
start designing rugs. And so we had to start that journey somewhere. So we started with some patterns and it always makes me giggle when I look at the first patterns that we were designing. But that's one of the key people in Coral and Hive is Erica Bartholomew. She's a fine artist. She is a jewelry designer and she's our pattern designer. So she is incredibly talented with pattern and color mixing. So sometimes we have designers come to us with schemes and they're looking for inspiration. And I would say that's a real energetic synergy between the designer, Erica and myself. I think it's really important because I started the journey with Erica before I even employed the weavers. And then at the heart of our business is the weavers. And we've got to communicate the whole design process that we've been through, what it is that we want to weave on Loom. So you've got a real mix of talents in our business. We've also got Deborah. She runs the Looms. She's a shareholder in the business. And Deborah comes from a marketing background. She's very focused. She's all about lists <laughs> and she keeps me on track. Um, so we all need those in we, our lives. We all need those in our lives. And Debs just has a real amazing spirit about her and she has this deep, deep, deep connection with our weavers. A connection that I don't even know that I necessarily have yet because I've been living in the UK up until now. So... Very grateful for Debs. She runs production. She's there for the weavers. She's overseeing quality. She's looking after our designers in South Africa. So she's very involved in the business. And then we have Nazima, who is our head weaver. She's been weaving for most of her life. She thought she was going to work in a flower shop. And then she took another turn and she ended up in a, a weaving studio and never left, <laughs> kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got our head weaver, we've got Erica, we've got Debs, we've got our amazing weaving team. And then we've also got a newcomer to Coral and Hive. She's been with us for about six months now. Her name's Claire Brown. She's a interior designer based in London. And she's added huge value to our business. She's also just come in with fresh views and just another stance on the business. And again, really helping us place these rugs in luxury settings and showing us where they're best suited. And I think a lot of the imagery and moods and Instagrams that you see, you know, Claire's helping me a lot with that. So that's kind of the key team. And then obviously Wakas, who's based in India and really is our main supplier in India. So that's us. <laughs> Seems like you guys have a really good family vibe going. Like yeah, we, we really do. I mean, we have lots of fun and I think that's really important. Big highs and big lows, but as long as you're always having fun and moving in the right direction. Well, that brings me to, it's a good segue to my question. You mentioned now about your perfect images on Instagram, you know, and I think <laughs> I'm saying perfect, not you, but I see them as perfect because they're so beautifully styled and as a photographer myself, you know, I have a huge appreciation for lighting and setting and styling. And I can see that you guys put a lot of effort into that. I know you shared your moods with me the other day. I think it was 2021 moods. And <laughs> I think I paged through them three times. <laughs> They're just so beautiful. And in a creative business, we tend to showcase the physical product. But as we all know, there's so much that goes in behind the scenes. And you just mentioned now the highs and the lows. I want to just go back probably a few years. You mentioned you were in the UK and just to paint the picture for everyone, you were in the UK and you came across 
these looms and the rugs in South Africa and you were selling them. But as far as I understand, that partner didn't make the looms and you and your husband, Liam, decided to build up the business again. Is that correct? Yeah. So the business that I was originally buying samples from liquidated and it was a big turning point because I went through a big thought process. Do I want to carry on doing this? I've invested a year of my mommy time, (laughs) (laughs) very precious time (laughs) in, you know, trying to build Coral and Hive the natural home. (laughs) (laughs) And so when we heard that the looms were liquidating, we felt really sad and it was a cautious decision to invest and re-employ these weavers and get them weaving new designs and under a new brand, a fresh new look. Yeah, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And there were many days that I really wanted to give up. I think that's good. It's so good to say that. I think Mm. (laughs) I've said that many times, like, (laughs) what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. It's a real juggle. These businesses don't just appear and happen overnight. It's all about relationships and it's, It's about not giving up. (laughs) I know that we're all voice here and it's a voice recording, but I can see tears. (laughs) So I think it's beautiful that you're so connected to what you do. And I can just imagine, because I'm a mom myself, you know, the... I'm going to tear. The responsibility as a mom, but also what you give to build a business you know, and the risks you take. As much as you feel that social responsibility, at this time in your life, when you take these kind of risks, you want to know that it's going to work. Janine, it's so easy to just post pretty pictures, you know, build an Instagram following, have the whole world go, wow, you're doing such amazing work. But behind the scenes, your mom running around, you have employees, you have women that are weaving and they need to put food on the table and you're trying to juggle it all at the same time. For you as a business owner, what does it mean the business is working? For me, I've always said the business is working if our looms are full and we're a hive of activity with chatter and laughter. We're all loving what we do and we have cash flow to keep going. And keep the doors open. Keep the doors open. Keep our weavers weaving. You know, one weaver feeds up to nine people in her family. And we had an HR company come in and look at our business. And, you know, our weavers are earning really well. They feel really valued. And I think the fact that we also share that loom journey, they also feel connected to where that piece is going. You know, at the end of the day, we're selling like their art. So... It's very important for me that they always feel valued and acknowledged and part of the full journey of these beautiful rugs. I love that. I love the fact that you have such a close connection. And I think as a psychologist, like even more, you know, you understand (laughs) people. (laughs) And it's so beautiful to see how connected you are to not just building a brand, but really instilling values into your business. Tell us a bit more about the value system of Coral and Hive. Like, what do you guys value and what do you project and put out there and also feedback to your team? I think first and foremost, it's important that each person in the business feels valued. We really like to celebrate 
every person's birthday. We all take a day off when it's our birthday. We value the input from each of the team members. And I'm always checking in with everyone to make sure that everybody's feeling happy and supported. We're a big believer in taking time out to lead a balanced life. You know, it is a busy life that we lead. It's a slow product that we produce, but it's busy and it's important to always keep in check with all your team members and make sure that they're feeling valued, happy, inspired, that they've got goals. We believe in vision boards. So we've all got our vision boards that we like pinning dreams onto so that we're always looking forward to new things and keeping things fresh. I would love to visit your looms. It sounds like I need to take a day out. <laughs> I really think you do. And be inspired and just come over and see what these women are creating. Do they get involved in the designing process or is that something that happens between you, Erica, and the designers and then they are more the implementers? Most of the designs that we do are designs that we put together with our designers or the creatives that we work with that want to design a special unique piece. But, you know, our weavers do have a lot of input in terms of saying what's possible and what's not. Going back to that really exciting collaboration that we've done, the design is kind of like one of those old songs on the radio that you want to listen to again and again. I think this design is going to be around for a long time. And it was really important for us to speak to the weavers and see whether the design was actually even possible. And they had a lot of input in on that design and said, well, we need to change it around and do it like this. So in saying that, I think everybody has really valuable input and insight. We don't just say we can do anything and then do it. We're always working together as a team to make sure that we can produce what it is that we're saying that we like to produce. Does the weavers have very specific techniques that they specialize in, each individual weaver, or is it kind of a broad-based spectrum of skill set? Absolutely. I love how Debs describes it. She describes it as each weaver has her own handwriting. Um, You can really see who has woven which rug. And I really want to emphasize there, going back to your other question, that quality is of utmost importance for us. We don't sell a perfect product. We sell a perfectly imperfect product. And I think that's the beauty in these rugs. And yes, I mean, they all have the basic skills and it takes about six months to train a weaver. But most of our weavers, you know, some of them didn't finish school. So this is a lifelong career for them. In Africa, we've got quite a few different techniques. We've got a flat weave, we've got tufting, we've got a loop weave. We've got a new weave, which our looms is calling a twisted weave, but I think it's a plat weave. And I think it's very similar to a weave that we do in India as well. So now you can see why I never left rug. (laughs) There's so much to learn and so much skill and uh, there's just so much involved. Um, And I just think it's really special that these ladies have these incredible skills. And I'm really hoping that I can slow down a little bit and also learn with them. I just um, wanted to ask, have you ever <laughs> have you ever woven 
I haven't yet, and I'm actually embarrassed to say um, I've been so busy <laughs> keeping them busy <laughs> that I haven't actually had the joy of doing it myself yet. But obviously, at home with my children, we've got a small little loom, and we're very keen to get that up and running. Actually, we're thinking of getting adult looms made and children's looms because we've got a lot of leftover wool at the looms and we don't throw anything away. I guess it's important to say there that we're very sustainable in that way, working with these natural materials that aren't harmful in any way either. But it would be really nice to recycle the leftover wool that we have and get children weaving and adults weaving. I think it's very therapeutic and it's something that you could really enjoy. That is something I would love to do. It makes me think of, you know, like those moments where your grandmother sat and knitted at the fire type of (laughs) picture. Having something like that with your children in winter where you all have to kind of stay indoors. I think it could be a product that you guys could... Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It's still still within the rug, so it's not really so far off. (laughs) South Africa has so many amazing makers. So I am chatting to a friend at the moment about making some looms for home. I think we'd love to get more and more involved. And even in schools, you know, one of our designers asked us whether we would maybe give some of the wool to a school. So if we knew that that could also be something that kids could do, we would love to get involved with that. That sounds incredible. I love the movement of creativity within the school setup. Mm. You know, I think one, it's therapeutic, but also not all children are inclined to be academics. And without having a whole conversation on schooling (laughs) systems, which I'm sure you've also had lots of interesting experiences in different countries Mm. from a schooling point of view, but I think it's such a beautiful thing if creativity gets pulled into school. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I'd really like to see us as a business doing a little bit more skills training in the future. And like you said, with any business, you have to go through those years where your business is literally attached to you (laughs) and then slowly starts going through the phases of being able to flow. And as the business starts flowing more, I think we'd really love to start exploring the educational side of weaving and getting children involved. I would love to know more about that when you guys get there. (laughs) I would love to know more about how COVID affected your business. And maybe before I say affected your business, how it affected you. I think as business owners, we very easily detach our own emotions because we're so responsible. We need to just keep the doors open, as we mentioned earlier. But Mm. how did COVID affect you and how did that affect your business? Um, It was tough. It was a major juggle. I would say the hardest part of the COVID lockdown, especially in the UK, was the closure of the schools and the homeschooling. And my one little boy is six and the other one's nine. And the nine-year-old was very diligent with his online schooling. But the little one, uh, he would prefer to play Lego, watch TV or draw pictures. So we came to an arrangement with the school where I said that I would choose my top three to five creative activities. (laughs) (laughs) And I tried to keep Nicholas as busy and engaged as I could to make sure that I had that balance of mommy time and also time to keep my business going. (laughs) And first and foremost with COVID was that we wanted to know that we could still pay for our weavers to be at home so that they had enough money to buy food. So we all took a salary decrease. 
and we made sure that everybody had what they needed to get through that lockdown period. But on the flip side, I would say it was encouraging to see that there was a bit of a shift in the way people were purchasing. And, you know, (laughs) we were faced with a lockdown. I was faced with a a very full email box. (laughs) Wow, that's that's (laughs) amazing. People on Instagram and looking for beautiful pieces for their home. And I guess people had time on their hands. I feel like we had some really valuable family time over COVID, and I'm really grateful for those moments. But I would say that COVID gave us time to think of things in a different way and how we would shape this business to go forward and to survive. And it's been okay for us. We're streamlining. We had time to think about our processes and what it is we want to put out there. So we always evolving. And I feel like we've actually come out stronger through COVID. So there was a silver lining. That's great. I think COVID is really introduced to us a new way of thinking and a new way of working and living. Yeah. Which you've now mentioned, you know, you had an influx of inquiries. And I think people have probably, and I include myself, looked at their homes in a different way. You know, how your spaces are set up. Maybe you had to incorporate a home office or you had to make work with children toys all over the (laughs) the kitchen table (laughs) and the lounge and the whole house turning into a a playroom and still seem that we have everything under control. Zoom calls with children running in the background and all the rest. But it's actually made, I believe, work and life much more integrated and way more normal to have a family life. So with the influx of orders or inquiries, (laughs) do you think that people are viewing the home space differently from an interior point of view? Yeah, what is your take on post-COVID kind of designing your home? (laughs) I think, like I've always said from the beginning, when I said the natural home, I always thought that if you kept it quite sort of natural and understated at home and close to nature, lots of plants, lots of space. I'm a strong believer in decluttering and shifting energy around in your home. I think COVID has really forced people to be in their homes and to realize that when you come home, you want to feel like you can unwind and, and that you can really recharge. So, I'm reflecting on one of my neighbors. Every time I go to her house, (laughs) everything's in a different place. And I really, really love that. You know, I think people are really looking at their spaces and making sense of their spaces. And I don't think it was just an idea that keeping it natural and paired back at home would be relaxing. I don't think you want to have unnecessary clutter in your life. I think if you think carefully about what you've chosen for your home, you want those pieces to have real meaning. I can relate to that. I think (laughs) since Ian and I have been home, you know, I've started in the one room and then I kind of move (laughs) over to the other room. Um, Not necessarily because I was bored, (laughs) but more because I was now vested in the space Mm. and I couldn't go anywhere, especially for the first (laughs) six weeks. And so looking at the space differently, getting rid of things, to Mary Kondo and think about what brings you joy Mm -hmm. has been a big thing for me as well. And to just, you know, invest in pieces, like you say, that has more meaning than just prettiness. 
And I think mm. that's what originally also drawn me to being a huge fan of Coral and Hive is because of the hand quality, because of the, it really is an investment piece that you bring into your home and you probably going to save up for it. And it's something that you'll hand down to your kids, um, maybe their kids, yeah. <laughs> if they like your style. <laughs> Well, I did a rug once for a client in London and she'd sort of hunted us down. And when I went to her house, I saw this rug in the corner of the room and I <laughs> I couldn't really focus on the conversation until I'd seen the rug. <laughs> until you've touched it until and like, touched the rug. turned it around. Exactly. And, <laughs> and I said to her, what is that rug in the corner of your room? And it was the caracal rug that she'd grown up with. And she had so much sentimental attachment to this caracal rug that she had gone on a search to find out if people were still weaving in caracal walls. So that for me was really amazing. And again, that was right at the beginning of my rug journey. And I thought, you know what, if there's people out there searching for us, I'm sure we just, you know, we just need to keep going. <laughs> well, that's a very good philosophy. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. Just keep going forwards. If you don't feel like you're going forwards, stand still and then go forwards again when you can. <laughs> An important thing to note is mm. to actually take time out, you know? Yes, absolutely. I don't really do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Janine, I know that you guys have probably built up this incredible pattern library which I also would love to see. <laughs> the archives. <laughs> the archives. <laughs> I think that's actually where all the good stuff is, is mm. in the archives. But as we've mentioned, your pieces are made to order and they are quite large investment pieces for people's homes. But I'm sure there is a lot of people listening to this wanting to order a piece and wanting a beautiful, maybe a smaller rug in their home, uh, which I know is a product that you're not offering at the moment, but we have spoken <laughs> off the record about creating something beautiful for the local edit community and something that might be unique to our online store. Do you think that's something we can do? Oh, do you know what? I am so inspired by that. And I really want to find out what your favorite colors are and I think like a one meter by two meter little bedside rug is all you need really. You know, they say you've got to have this huge rug under your bed, but just to step out on something soft that you know that you've created and designed, I think that's really cool. And we'd love to design some cool patterns for the local edit. Oh, we're very excited about that. So I will put something on Instagram for everyone once we have some products out there. But I'm excited to go into that journey with you. And it'll be very new for us because we've never been into product development. And I think that's going to be a very exciting journey, which we probably also have to document. Um <laughs> The products is all natural fibers and you mentioned that you have a busy home, you know, dogs and cats and all the rest. Ducks through. and chickens. <laughs> Ducks and chickens and little kids. For people who are not very aware of natural fibers, they might have never had such a beautiful investment piece in their home. What is your recommendation for cleaning rugs? So a natural fiber rug is always going to be your most durable rug. So mohair, caracal wool, New Zealand wool, um, silk, silken wool, blended fibers. That's going to be your, your sort of heirloom piece rug that's going to last and last. I think what's really nice about a lot of the rugs that we do is that you can use them on both sides. So we recommend that you keep it on one side for about a year, or if you're in my house, probably about six months, <laughs> and then you flip it over. We don't recommend trying to clean the rugs on your own. 
we always uh, say to our customers that they need to get in touch with a rug cleaning specialist who specializes in natural fibers. And they've got the special machinery that's needed to clean these rugs. And they should come up like new again because natural fibers have that coating of lanolin that's like nature's scotch guard. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Nature's scotch guard. That's like a tongue twister. <laughs> I'm very curious to know what design is your, can you say, favorite? Or what's the design that has stood the test of time? Yeah, I mean, I'm right at the beginning of designing rugs for my own home because we're building our dream home in Nordic. We've been doing it for seven years. It's like a never-ending project, but we want to get to the end of it. I really love the Lox Mohair and Caracal Wool Blend. I think it's an absolutely incredible texture. And as far as I know, I think we're the only loom in the world doing this texture. Wow. And it's getting a lot of attention and it's got my attention too. I'm looking at that rug. <laughs> But I have to say, realistically, as a mom with a busy home and lots of animals, chickens, ducks, they all end up inside. I mean, caracal is durable, but I really love our jute rugs. I think they're really fresh and I think there's a lot you can do with jute and especially when you blend jute and wool. So I don't actually have a particular pattern that I love. It's the textures that we have that I love. And we're looking at doing a lovely tapestry. And I think I'll probably put some of my favorite colors in there and abstracts, probably abstracts and organic shapes. I'm really loving the fact that people are starting to order these irregular shaped rugs. Again, I think it just creates interest and yeah. I've seen those on your Instagram and I think it actually emphasizes the hand quality. Mm. It emphasizes what you mentioned earlier, the perfect imperfection, which is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Janine, your story. is Aww, It's, it's so you. heartfelt. I think that's the word I'm going to take from this. It's so heartfelt and it's so connected to you. And you can see that everything you guys are doing really does come from the heart <laughs> and it is still a business and you know we do have our ups and downs mm. but through all of it we have a bigger purpose I think and that's what I really take from oh, what you've said is absolutely. it's not just the you know the cash flow it's not just the the profits and I know you guys have been mentioned all over the world the Condé Nast oh. and all the rest that's very impressive but I think I take from this your absolute passion for what you do but also for the people you work with and the people who create what you guys are selling and I think that is really beautiful and we are honored to tell the story of Coral and Hive through Behind the Edit, which has also been a very heartfelt project for me. Oh, so amazing. Well done. I thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you to our design community that has really supported us through this because without special friends like my friend Petra of Bergman & Maher and Julia Miller in the States and Dara Wang of DH Liberty, um, and Matthew and Justin of Justin Pumbadar. We wouldn't be where we are without a very, very, very supportive and invested design community. So thank you. It is all at the end. It's an ecosystem, you know, and we all need each other. And I think that has really been a big part of the heart of the local edit, which will still be unveiled to, yeah. <laughs> to our community and what that really is. But behind the edit is the first part of that. And it's about taking hands and being open and starting to really connect with people. Because as you can see <laughs> on the wall behind you, 
and I think people will see it in the photographs, we really want to uplift people. Mm. I think because we're very inspired by what people can do and what people have done and what people still will do. And that's why we exist. We really want to be part of that journey. And thank you for taking hands with us and sharing what you guys have been through. Thank you. We're so looking forward to working with you guys. If you're enjoying Behind the Edit, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and don't forget to leave a review. For those who are curious, Behind the Edit is part of a larger drive to uplift our local design industry and sister company to The Pretty Blog. If you'd like to follow what we're building, please visit thelocaledit.com and sign up to stay in the know. And as always, please keep spreading the local love on social media by following and tagging The Local Edit on Instagram. I'm Christine Mankies and you're listening to Behind the Edit.